Welcome to the Decode 6 podcast, where we take your questions about carbon and ecosystem services and match them to the experts with the answers. I'm your host, DJ May. And today we're asking one big question. What are the barriers keeping farmers from enrolling in carbon markets? And I'm very excited to introduce our expert. We have Lee Breeze. He's a great person to answer this question. He's an independent crop consultant and CCA from Central North Dakota. He provides agronomic advice that helps farmers build customized systems to grow and manage crops profitably. He specializes in helping farmers adopt practices to protect and improve their soil and local environment, including reduced till, no-till, cover crops, crop rotation, and increased plant and economic diversity. So Lee, it's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Great. Well, we're going to dive right in. So what are the barriers keeping farmers out of carbon markets right now? Well, so I want to talk about this whole thing of what farmers are, because it seems like people think that farmers are something different or something foreign, a different concept. Farmers are just people, right? Like anybody else. So the same hangups that anybody would have are the things that farmers would have. One of the differences, though, I want people to remember is that these farmers are also business owners, right? So at the same time, they're not just a regular person making a purchase. They're making a decision based on their business. And it's often family business. So you're, all of your coworkers are related to you. And just think about that for a second, right? So you never really have this separation <laughs> of work and family, right? So if there's an argument in the business, it continues into your personal life. You never really get away from it. So that is one of the things I think is different for a lot of people is this idea that the the business and the family really aren't separate. I think that's one thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about farmers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I can think right now, you know, the conversation is really different when you're talking with your family. I mean, you're thinking about long-term, where do you want to end up? What are you doing here? There's relationship management, you know, like some people are going to be more risk averse than others. I can tell you. Um, I guess, how does that look when you're chatting about these markets in particular? Yeah, for sure. So that is one of those challenges is that there is a dynamic with, within the, the business and the family that is that subtle secondary communication that you're not going to pick up with. Um, I've been with my farms for many, many years, and I consider myself a pretty good friend with most of them. But there's still internal conversations and things that have happened that you don't necessarily pick up with. So the thing is, is understanding... Um, where they're at, know where they're at on the risk spectrum, know where they're at in their production system. Um, those types of things are really powerful. Um, know where they're at as far as making commitments. That really is is a big part of this. Is um, so the I think several people understand well. They're doing it anyway. You know, they're doing these practices anyway. It's a little tweak to the system. It shouldn't be that difficult to do. And I think we were talking earlier about um, purchases, right? when you're looking at purchases and the difference between a large purchase and maybe a short, a low, a small purchase, that's a long-term purchase. And it's really interesting. So the, the idea of talking about um, buying a refrigerator, right? Not a super expensive piece of equipment, but they tend to last forever or hope you do, but you hope they do. So even though it's not a really expensive thing to get into, it's not different. You know, you're going to need one, but when you're looking at a new refrigerator, you want, what features do I want? Am I going to like the ice machine? Do I want it to have water? Do I want it to have the freezer on the bottom or the freezer on the top? Or all of these little things, how is it going to fit into our kitchen and our daily life? And, and so a couple thousand dollars, right? That's really not a big purchase. But 
I think people spend a lot of time on that because it's a long commitment. I think that's really what, that's a good analogy here for these carbon markets. Granted, a lot of the farming practices we're going to use are similar or very the same. You tweak them a little bit, but they do look different, especially over long-term commitments, over long time frames. I think that's really something that I think is a hang-up. It's because we're talking about multi-generational businesses. And again, it's your family. So there's this lasting thing. So even if you've retired from your business, you're not out of the business per se. You're still part of the family. So you're still connected to that. So if you've made a decision that you even slightly regret, it carries on. And I think that's one of the things that really is 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 holding people back from from this is some of the long-term commitments that the carbon markets are requiring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to double back to the fridge analogy, because I was thinking about this the other day too. Um, we just recently bought a fridge and we went from the type that has like the two doors that open, you know, in the middle to like one door that opens and it's wide. And I was just like, oh my gosh, every time I go to open this fridge, I'm like reaching for the wrong spot. I'm like kind of thinking about the wrong, like it changes your whole workflow. And I was like, that's so funny because even if it's a small change, you don't realize like there's kind of a, a hurdle to get over until you've adapted to that. So I feel like that kind of fits. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. fits. It is these small changes that do change your workflow, change the timing of what you're doing, change like small things. Where are you placing items to work in the kitchen? Right? Well, that's the same thing is true in the farm. If you're changing your tillage management or you're changing, you're adding cover crops, it seems like a small thing. You have all the same pieces, but it's a different timing. It's a different technique. And it's, it's just a little bit different. And that change can be disruptive in some systems and some people are ready for it and some people aren't. And again, this is, this is that family discussion. So I think the fridge is a better analogy than, than the general business analogy would be. But I think scientists experience the same thing. That, um, a lot of times scientists don't realize that their, their research, their, their core research is really a business. Um, it's run like a business. They have to acquire finances funding, all of that type of stuff. They have to make sure they have the right personnel, the right people with the right skills at the right time, and then plan out the timeline. It's very much a business type of thing. They don't think that they see it that way, but it's it's very analogous to farming. So this is really what I want to do because I, I go a lot of places. I talk to several people. I talk to both the science communities and the farming communities, and they just feel like, oh, those darn scientists and all these crazy farmers. Why won't they do like they're, they're separate entities, like they're different species and no, we're all people. We're all the same. We think about things in the same ways. We look through different lenses. And I think that's really the point that I'm getting at here is the business lens of a farmer also has the family lens attached to it. And this is even true with scientists. A lot of those students become family over time. So it's it's very similar that if you think about it in that way and you're making long-term decisions for someone who is going to take over your role in the future, it does change how you view that risk. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I know for, you know, the academics I've talked to too, like those research programs are similar to a farm and that you hope it's still there and operational in 30, 50, 100 years, you know, you're trying to set it up for success. Absolutely. And they don't fully retire either. Many of them don't. Like they're still there. They're still the the knowledge base and the information base. They don't walk away. It's a life's work. They're very similar. It's a life's work. Mm -hmm. It's not oh, this was my job for 10 years and I liked it, but now I'm doing something else, which I don't have a problem with either. Like, that's fine, but it's a different mindset. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did such a nice job just now laying out like the people who have stakes in this. You know, you have the farmers, you have the researchers, and then we have these market developers kind of coming in to 
both of these areas and selling a solution essentially. But how how do you get on the same page when you talk about making changes or finding common ground when it comes to markets? Well, I, I I'm going to refer back to this this buying a refrigerator thing again and. And really, who are you taking? So you go to the store and you talk to the salesperson, right? And you, but you've done your research. You've already been online. This is this is not like it was thirty years ago. You already have a pretty good idea of what you want and what the prices should be and what the features are. But you want to see it, touch it, feel it, that whole thing, get a feel for it. What does it really look like? This is the same thing here. We want to get an idea of what does it really look like. But they've done a lot of research on the back end. So one of the big things is, I think. Um, if you have a rapport with that person who is the mediary, the person who can finish your purchase for you, because you can't just buy a fridge without someone intermediary, whether it's online or whatever, you still have to work through someone. Same thing with these carbon markets. We have to work through a market advisor or a market provider to, to get there. But I think a big part of that is having a good rapport and, and a trusting relationship. Now, this doesn't have to be family level trusting relationship. It doesn't have to be that high. But there needs to be some trust there because, again, you're making a long-term commitment, a long-term decision. And if you think the person is not being forthright with you, you're probably not going to make that decision. And you may buy the same, the exact same model from someone who did build rapport from you. I think this is really the key is that to give time, I think this is just a human problem, give time to build trust and, and be honest and be forthright and, and it goes forward. Otherwise, people are buying strictly on price or convenience. I mean, when we look at online shopping, there's no rapport there with these companies. It's it's strictly price. And you can pull up four different websites and completely price shop. Then the only thing it comes down to, who's going to ship it to me and how it's going to do it? And what are the costs? There's no real loyalty there. I don't see the same kind of customer loyalty. And again, there's not that same kind mm-hmm. of trust, right? So if you're going to purchase something in Amazon, my, myself personally, I'm reading the reviews, like even if it's not a big purchase, I'm reading the reviews like, yeah, okay, you can put all the fluffy stuff underneath the description, but what did people think of it? So I think that's really a big part of is you have to build this kind of trust. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is like a long-term commitment in a lot of these programs. It's usually, you know, 10 years. So I think about that when I make a purchase too. It's like, are they going to be responsive you know, if I have an issue come up, like what happens if something goes sideways? How do you predict 10 years <laughs> like, from will now? Will they still be yeah. there? Yeah. How do you yeah. predict 10 years? Yeah. So there is some, there is some, you know, some reputation based on the company or the business, you know, long-term businesses that you've done, companies you've done business with for many years, there's some type of backing there, but it still comes down to the people that work there. I mean, it really does. If those people have been there and you've worked with them before, you're much more likely to do it again. The same thing, whether it's a scientist in a position or a farmer on the farm or the salesperson or the carbon market person, if there's some continuity there and especially continuity of message, I think that's really important. I think this is one of the struggles right now. Um, Our carbon markets are changing. um, How they're evaluating them is changing. um, How we're soil testing and verifying and there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of different things and they're seeing people are trying things out and they're finding, well, this way works better than that one. So there's a change in a feature. All right. Well, that kind of resets your buying decision now. So this, this, I wouldn't call it turmoil, but this rapid change in the industry is, is pushing some of the low risk people to, to wait um, just because until it settles down, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a 20 year investment until it settles down. People are like, well, it's not that big of an investment. No, but are you just going to buy a fridge 
you know, if the other one's still kind of working, you're not going to, I mean, if it's, right. if your food is spoiling, okay, you're going to buy a fridge, right? That's not where we're at. <laughs> yeah. We're not at this. It's like farming's right. still working. They're doing their thing. They're looking at it. The whole thing, it's still working and they want to get in the carbon market. Of course you want to get in the carbon market. It makes sense. And, and you want to find that solution, but it has to be something that makes sense five years, 10 years, maybe even 20 years down the line. Yeah. Um, I guess just to round this whole conversation out, what are some practical tips you might give for getting people moving in the same direction? Like, how do we just sort of get on the same page here, keep working toward our common goals? I think it's important for everybody to be invested in the conversation. I think it's important to have many little conversations. And I've been been talking with this about with several people. Rather than, you know, projecting to millions. I think we need to have millions of small conversations rather than big, large, giant marketing campaigns to millions. And I, that has its purpose, but it's not really trust building. That's advertisement. That's awareness building. Trust building comes down to just that building trust with that person, with that company, with that entity, having again, like several touches. You don't build trust with somebody the first time you've met them. But after you've worked with them or you've met with them or you've done projects with them over time, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be family level trust. We're talking about acquaintance level trust, somebody who returns your calls, returns your emails, gets back to you, is there when you ask something, is there when you need something, those little pieces of trust all along the way. So uh, I think it's millions of small conversations that are going to get us to where we need to be rather than one big conversation trying to reach millions of people. And so I think that really is the crux of this, that it, it requires the investment of all the players. So the scientists are doing the research. I want you to be doing small conversations often because it's, again, those repetitive touches. And the same thing with the farmers should look at it several times in different lenses again and again and again. And as far as the carbon market providers, I think it's the same thing. Be there, be available, be visible. Don't be excessively in your face, right? So we all get the emails, <laughs> 200 emails a day that are just like, oh, today is some special holiday in Holland. We're giving you 10% off. Like, okay, cool. But the thing is, is that not helping me make a purchase decision? That's not a touch. That's not personal. That's not investment. If we're really going to invest in climate change, I think we need to be talking about it together and we need to be building trust across all these bridges. Then it becomes a lot easier, especially when the farmer can say, well, the scientist really believes in this. Like they really know that this does what they're saying it does. And that comes with time. All right. Well, then it's easier. That feature has been validated. You know, somebody's got maybe not a guarantee, but some strong opinions that it works. That's a great point, too. I mean, having a million small conversations and. Coming back to what you were saying about timeframes, having many small conversations gives you time to think about it and process it before you make a commitment too. Right. And, I, and I'm not talking about, well, this is going to take 50 years. So people can see this like, oh, how, you know, I don't like to communicate. I My job is not to sell this. Again, the scientists and farmers are very similar in this, right? Their, their main jobs are not necessarily people communications. Their main jobs are farming production and science production. Like those are two different things. But I think those things of just being human, you know, who you are, why are you doing this? Why do you believe in it? Why is it important to you? And I think we all want the same things. We want a healthy climate. We want predictable weather. We want good, sustainable food sources. We don't want to worry about our weather events and, and our children's futures. We're in this together. 
And I think that's really that thing that you build over time. So then it takes the skepticism out of it. When the, when the scientist is personal and says, you know, I really want to make a better place in the world. And here's what my research says can help do that. And the farmer can listen and say, well, I want the same thing. And it's not that much, it may not be that difficult for me to change or adjust my workflow a little bit. I'll be frustrated for a while until I get figured out, but yeah, I can do this. And then I think that's part of the continuing conversation is, no, DJ, it's worth it for the big door. It's just, here's the advantage. I know this sucks because you changed it, but here's the advantage to it, the whole thing. And and so the, the continuous thing, like, yeah, you're doing the right thing. You made a good decision. It's fine. Um, because this is these are permanent decisions. They really are. So from what we can tell, once you sold your carbon, you, you've sold your carbon. It's, it's a done. And it's a long-term commitment. So I think that's framing it that way, I think, educates the discussion. And I think encouraging people to have small discussions, lunch discussions, after the presentation discussions, um, having that presentation and really having it open for questions. But you only get to two or three people in a hundred room audience that are always going to ask the question. Spend some time, be there afterwards. Let the other people who are going to come up to you one-on-one or in small groups of two or three come and talk to you. Spend some time in that thing. I think that really is a big part of it, whether that's the market provider or the scientist providing the information, allow time for that rapport to build. Definitely. Any final thoughts, Lee? Yeah. There's no one solution, right? There's no one big, just do this and it'll work. Um, I think it is just about building trust and building rapport. And that does take time. But if we have millions of people doing it, it will move faster. And I think this is the frustration. We want this to be moving. Like, why isn't this picking up? Why aren't we seeing more impact? Why aren't we seeing more more producers doing X, Y, Z? Why aren't we seeing more consumers doing X, Y, Z? And a big part of it simply is that we haven't built up that rapport and that trust that in the process, because you're not going to see the immediate results of recycling or carbon reduction. They're not immediate. They're not today. I saved time on my workflow. It's, they're cumulative. And all these little pieces that we each do become something larger. And that's where I think the real value of it is. So I think that's, to me, that is the the big thing is to have patience with each other. But the more conversations we have, the sooner we have them, the faster I see we'll see movement rather than millions and millions of dollars spent on billboards and Super Bowl commercials and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. And I just I think about the value of like that feedback, too, for both sides. It's like, you know, researchers can learn a ton from conversations over time. You can figure out what's working, what's not, and then, you know, vice versa. Like, I think farmers could benefit a lot from hearing what's going on in research instead of waiting until, like, the meta-analysis comes out, right. you know? <laughs> well, I see yeah. this in my conversations. Again, I speak with both, I hate to call them sites, but both groups of people. Yeah, and, and really the thing is, is, like, the, the researchers like, why don't farmers want to do this? And farmers are like, why did they use that? We never use that. It does, <laughs> does, yeah. does, it, does it relate? How does it relate? And it probably does, but... There has to be a transitional thing. Like even certain fertilizers, like they just make more sense in research than they do in practical ag. So they'll use a certain product. They're like, well, we never use that. Why would why would they use that? And it's just because of the scale or whatever. There's other reasons. And you're like, oh, well, this is why they use it. Oh, okay. Well, and it still matters. It still matters. I think that's that's just that thing is like, and the researchers like, how come they don't want to do this? Well, here's why. This is complicated in the logistics. They just didn't know. So those little conversations can can be helpful. They can be challenging. There's no doubt about that. And I'm one who also, the other piece of advice I would say, if somebody's not willing to listen, don't don't yell at them. 
it's fine. It's okay. Not everybody's going to jump onto this bus. Not everybody is excited about it. And But a lot of people are curious. Find the curious people. Find the ones that are interested. If they've already made up their mind one way or the other, you're really not going to convince someone. Like if they just have a strong opinion about GE refrigerators, that's probably where they're going to go. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so this is like trying to convince them into something else is just probably not good time management for either of you. So really, I think having those conversations with the people who are curious or interested who come to you, but being available, whether it's a farmer being available or the research being available or the carbon markets being available for those conversations, be there, be available, be willing to have the small conversations and then allow that person to think about those things and then come back and have another small conversation a week, two weeks, a month, whatever it is that that allows you to process. I don't know many people that go on the Internet, spend 10 minutes and then click button on buy a refrigerator. You've probably <laughs> spent a couple yeah. of weeks looking at it. I would guess you did. And, you know, probably went to the stores and checked them out. You maybe didn't even buy it from the store, but you wanted to see it. So it's a process. So the more people we get started on the process, the better. But you're not started unless you need to. So if you don't think you need mm-hmm. a new fridge, you're probably not looking. Um, so that's the thing. Right. Like, so having these little conversations, I really think is, is the, it, to me, is one of the solutions. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Lee. I really appreciate your perspective and your time. It was fun. If you have questions you'd like us to answer about carbon and ecosystem services, send us a note. You can reach us anytime at info at decode6.org. And if you're curious about carbon and ecosystem services and you want to learn more, come visit us at decode6.org. Okay.